You're listening to 105.1 Life FM, Bendigo's Positive Choice, and we're here again, Ark Church, Q&A with Samuel and, <laughs> and Alita Robinson, and we are still tackling the God question, and it's such a great question, isn't it? Yes. I know it's your favourite topic. It is. And we are, in fact, uh, doing the second half of uh, uh, part of that uh, that topic, the ontological argument, yes. which you started last week, and yes. uh, we're going to continue on. Yeah. So, Samuel, continue on. <laughs> <laughs> when we, what we did last time is we presented the ontological argument, and then uh, we looked at the objections. Because remember, the ontological argument uh, starts with, it is possible that God exists. Yes. And if it is possible that God exists, then he exists in some possible world. Mm-hmm. And if he exists in some possible world, then he exists in all possible world. And if God exists in all possible world, then he exists in the actual world. Yes. And if he exists in the actual world, then he exists. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> all very logically argued. Yes. yes. And one must just simply demonstrate or show that it is impossible for God to exist. And so the first objection we looked at what was the what was called the omnipotence paradox the idea that if god existed he was all powerful mm. as one of his great making properties then can you create a stone too big that he himself can't lift it mm. and so if he can create that stone but can't lift it then he's not all powerful no that's right but if he cannot create the stone then he's not all powerful either <laughs> so it's it's it was it's it was posed as a paradox to say well we, if we knock out the omnipotence of god then the concept of god is incoherent because mm. if he's not all powerful then he can't be god mm. and so we looked at that and we established last last week that you know the omnipotence uh, uh, um, paradox was built on a misunderstanding of what the christians mean by God is omnipotent. Mm. When a Christian says, and let this be a, a way of even helping the Christians who have never thought about the concept of omnipotence really clearly. Yeah. It's not the capacity to do all things, including the logically incoherent. Yes. Because the Bible already teaches that there are things that God can't do. Yes. So if God was omnipotent, it means he could do all and anything. Mm. Well, there are things the Bible already teaches they can't do. Yeah. Can't lie. No. Can't and God sin. can't sin. No. So, in a way, the concept that God, uh, you know, can't create a stone big enough to, to uh, and, and it's stone that's big that he can't lift, is an incoherent like saying, can God make a married bachelor? Mm. Well, no. It's an incoherent concept. Yeah. You're not going to God make a square circle. Well, no. So, understand, understood that way, omnipotence means the the ability, the capacity to do all things that power can logically do. Mm. And in that sense, we knocked that one out. And, and so we, the, the, the concept of God remained logically co- coherent. This particular day today, I'm, I'm going to look at another objection. Mm-hmm. It's called the problem of evil. Right, yes. Yes. Yeah, that's a big one. The problem of evil. Mm. This has been the, 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 that what, which has been the greatest, the biggest problem, at least among the people who don't believe God exists. When you dig deep down, you find out that there is some objection somewhere that they have against evil. Mm. Okay? And so the problem of evil can be categorized in two sets. There's the emotional problem of evil. And it goes this way. Well, if God was loving and he loved me, mm-hmm. why would he let something like this happen to me? Yep. And, oh, why did he not save my mom or save my nana or to, you know, somebody that I loved dearly died or had cancer? Or, or why did he let a tsunami wipe out a whole country? And why did he let yes. a, a volcano erupt and all that yes. sort of stuff and kill all yep, these people? Yep, yep, yep. 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 It's so, an age-old argument, isn't it? Yeah. Yes. And very often people start that argument being attached to it very emotionally. Yes. And so if it's a pain, a suffering that they've experienced, mm. uh, you want to, I said this before on the radio, you want to look at it from a pastoral point of view. Mm. You want to know exactly how did that make them feel. They might have lost the, 
somebody who was the anchor to the world, mm-hmm. and the world's gone in turmoil from there. And so, in that sense, you don't want to be insensitive. You want to make sure uh, that uh, you consider the pain they've suffered. Yeah. But the second side of the problem of evil is the logical problem of evil. Okay. Mm-hmm. And this logical problem of evil was propounded by uh, David Hume. David Hume. Uh, a Scottish philosopher, um, and Hume uh, is the person who um, started uh, to argue uh, on the problem of evil, the logical problem of evil. And this is how it goes. The world is filled with gratuitous evil. Right. Just evil that just don't... The gratuitous, it means... uh, Something is gratuitous when it is cheap unexplainable it's just it's got no sense no explanation just this evil mm. which, could, which could have been stopped the world is full of gratuitous evil second step and there may be a good God but he's not powerful enough to stop this gratuitous evil mm. if you believe he's good okay he may be well be good but this evil, either is good and not powerful enough to remove the. Therefore, the idea of God is incoherent, because if it, it cannot be, it can be good but be, not not be powerful enough. If it's not powerful, it's not God. Mm. Or there may be an all-powerful God, but He lets the evil happen. Therefore, He's not good. Because if He was good, He would want to do something about evil. He would stop it from happening. If He was powerful, He would stop it. Yeah. So he's either not good and powerful, or not powerful and good, or is neither both. Mm. In other words, therefore, there's no good God or powerful God. Mm. Those are the options. Yeah. Mm. Mm. So when you want to look at it from a logical point of view, now you have to start to grapple with it. I want to section this in in a way that is understandable. You give some examples. A tsunami wipes a number of people off. Or an earthquake. Or in Congo recently, a volcano just erupted and started to come toward the town and people died and their livelihoods were wiped off. Yeah. By the very, very hot lava. Mm. So, these natural events, did they cause people suffering? Yeah. But are they evil? Are natural events evil? I don't think so. Evil. I think it's. I think people just look at the environment. It's one of the reasons I think the whole uh, environmental um, conversation is happening, that the planet is, you know, destroying itself, and or we're destroying the planet. But yeah, um, yeah. but they they look at it as you know that that whole concept is about Mother Earth, and there are things that happen, and 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 so that that's a natural thing. That that sort of happens. I mean, you know, you've got people who live on the side of a volcano. They build houses there. I mean, why would you do that if you know the thing's going to erupt? Yeah. So it's, yeah, it's a difficult one. Have you noticed that in discussing this, we've brought in the human dimension? Yes. Were volcanoes still erupting even before humans were on Earth? Mm. Well, yeah. Would there have there been earthquakes and tsunamis? Yeah. What we call... Natural disasters. Yes. Well, some people call them acts of God, don't they? <laughs> so, it's just company. It just depends who you're talking God. to. Yeah. 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 Mm. Well, when you look at it, these natural events don't have intent. No. The volcano goes, I'm going to erupt and I'm going to make sure that those people are wiped off. Mm. No. Evil assumes intention. Right now, we've actually found out that the earthquakes are a consequence of the movement of plate tectonics. Mm. And the moving of plate tectonics re- renews the, you know, the outer layer and the mid-layer of the earth, which sustains our biodiversity. Right, yeah. Without them we'd have a planet that looked like Mars. Mm-hmm. So the, 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 the molten core of the Earth is basically where the molten lava comes from, mm-hmm. from underneath there. And as it moves, it comes bubbling to the surface. It, it 
changes, if you will, it renews the outer layer of the planet. Mm. So our biodiversity is a consequence of these earthquakes, whether they happen under the ocean, which causes tsunamis, yeah. or Christchurch. Mm. Right? Mm. So if no human beings lived there, when this happened, nobody would be, you know, worried too much about getting it. upset that yep. there has been suffering. Mm. You might say, well, but animals will suffer. I'll look at that in a moment. Oh, yes. And so, in reality, natural events, natural catastrophes, are not evil. No. They are just what is. There's no intention to nature. Right? The no. tree say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fall and I'm going to kill that person. Yeah, doesn't no. have such intent. No. So, in a way, when you start to segregate it, you find that all evil is human evil. Mm. And that's going to get us to what you were saying about the climate. People who decry the climate, the climate yeah. yes. Mm. They don't decry the climate because the climate is just simply doing what the climate would do. It's because human beings, they're thinking human beings have got intents and they're doing mass production. There's a lot of carbon going in the air, so human beings are causing these. So that's where the evil comes in. And unless there's a human dimension, there's no evil there. So I want to say all evil is human evil. Right. All evil is human, human evil. evil. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Well, natural uh, events cause suffering. But suffering is also a human response. So you've got a car and you get burned. You've lost a piece of equipment mm. that you love or you're attached to. Then you respond to it. Yeah. The response to it is whatever the value of that car was to you. I'll give you an example. Uh, this, this might make sense to you. If you take a really like Bugatti, like expensive car, fly it all the way into the Amazon and give it to the Amazonian tribes in there. Say, hey, I've brought to you the most amazing gift. It's all wrapped up. Drop the Bugatti to them. Does he have any words to them? No. I wouldn't have thought so. <laughs> if they burnt it, do you think they'll be crying and screaming? No. They've lost their Bugatti? No. So does this thing have an intrinsic worth and value? No. No. It might be valuable to you here. It's not valuable to them over there. So they will respond to it burning the way you respond to your rubbish being burnt. Yeah. If it was intrinsic, anyone who has that, that burnt would have to respond the same way, suffer the same way. What I'm trying to say is certain things might make you suffer that doesn't make anybody else suffer. No. Yeah. I think. I get quite impressed by people who have tons of food in the West, eat a lot, and they basically, they would rather say there's no God because some African over there are, you know, being hungry and, and, and so and so having no food and stuff. And so they go, well, there's no God, right? And then you go to those people, they find in that hunger, they still live raising their hands and praising God. Yes. Have you noticed that? Yeah. Responding differently. Mm. Suffering is a human response. It's not a standard response. It's an adopted response based on human attitude, based on a set of beliefs that humans have, got, have come to espouse. And so you can see, when we come back, we can elaborate more on this. All right, well, we will have a bit of a break and, uh, and we'll come back and chat about this particular issue a little further. I was walking down a crooked road And darkness covered my shadows And all I could see was the wreckage in me I was cold Till I found redemption in the light Redemption in the light No more darkness, no more night I found redemption in the light The light, the light much hope and my scars strengthen tomorrow cause all that I've seen I'm not who I used to be in my soul because I found redemption in the light redemption in the light no more darkness no more night I found redemption Light, the 
So, Samuel, we're back and we're looking at the various arguments uh, that you're putting in in front of us around the ontological argument yes. for God's existence, and yeah. we're looking at the problem of evil. The objection, yes. Yeah, so the objection. It's an objection to the yeah. ontological argument. That's right. If God was all good, why would he let gratuity evil happen? Yes. And if he was all powerful, why wouldn't he stop it? Yes. Either he's good and not powerful, or he's powerful and not good, or he's, he's neither both of those. Yes. And so, and we needed to define the terminology, so we have established here that all evil is human evil. Yes, now, we did. Yeah. And, and so, in that sense, let's look at, could God, if God is all powerful and is all good, should he create a world of humans that is devoid of evil? That is that the way to describe or to demonstrate his goodness? Should he create a world of humans that is devoid of evil? Well, he did at the beginning, didn't he? Adam and Eve. Yeah, but and then he created them, and then evil came. So, so they had the potential for evil, but they they yeah. Why would he allow if it was good? Why would he allow the potential for yeah. evil? Okay. Yep. Yes. Very good question, isn't it? Mm. So let's look at that. That then. Uh, it, it, would this deny the goodness of God, or would it deny his, his power? If should God have created human beings who had no potential for evil? Okay. First, often when when I, this is posed to me, I like to ask ask a, a question to the person who's asking because I want to see their thinking. Mm. If you were God, what would you do? Would you? It's a, it's what's called a free will defense. What would you do? You would stop evil. Yeah? Okay. What would you do to stop it? Say, for example, a human being gets picks up a gun and wants to shoot another human. Mm. What would you do? Stop the bullet from coming out of the gun? Okay. So you've stopped that person from dying? Okay. When else would you stop the bullet? When it's about to kill an animal? For food? Mm. But what would the vegan say? Right? What would you do if you were God? Would you stop somebody saying something that was going to be hurtful to that person next to them? Insulting? Would you stop the mid-sentence? Would you remove the hair from their lungs? The air from their lungs? Yep. <laughs> Did I say hair? Hair, yeah, yeah. Put a the air. air from their lungs. What would you do? Mm. Okay? Mm. I want them to think about it. And I think it's very, very easy to do that. Now say, okay, if you are God and that's what you're going to stop evil from happening, what kind of evil would you stop? The evil you think as God that you should stop or the evil that people think you as God should stop? You'd have to have a definition of what was evil, wouldn't you? Yeah, but what I'm saying is yeah. who determines this? Who determines yeah. what is this evil that is going to stop? Yeah. And if it's the evil that you want him to stop as God because you didn't like somebody being killed mm. or you didn't like some words being spoken to a person that hurt and how about the evil that you do that you actually enjoy very much that he God considers evil well one of them we have a culture that is built on you know praising drinking and getting drunk mm. and if God thinks that getting drunk is evil what should he do stop you from grabbing a glass of wine or make you lose your mind after you've drunk a couple of glass? Should that be tailor-made to you? Because some people, they have only one glass and that's all it takes. <laughs> that's right. My wife is like that. That's what she does. <laughs> one glass, that's it. And some people can drink basically crates and crates of beers before they get drunk. Yeah. Where, where would be the standard? Mm. All I'm trying to make is to say is either you... Who is decrying that God is not stopping evil? You are requesting that God stop evil by your definition. Mm. So you be God. Yeah. You're a contingent being. You're not even necessary in your existence. And then you demand that the necessary being just does what you want. Or he stops evil by the way he wants it stopped. That includes something that you do that are fun to you, but that are actually... In his calendar, in his thinking evil. I think we started out talking about sexuality, right? Yes, we did. 
with all the people who are enjoying sex out of marriage or sex beside marriage or sex with any other gender and also the, would they be happy for God to stop them if you consider that's evil you see when people say well why doesn't God stop evil they haven't thought deep and long enough about exactly what they're asking yes exactly hmm. so the question would be couldn't God have good enough reasons to create a world within which evil is possible for a greater good and this is called the Alvin Plantinga freedom, uh, free, free will defense. Okay. A world of free creatures mm. who have the capacity to do good, but also the potential to do evil, mm. is far better off than a world within which no one was free at all. Because if God is going to start interfering with you, whether you want to have one glass of wine or two, it's going to start interfering with your freedom of the will. Mm. And without free will, there'll be no world. There'll be no humans. God made humans and gave them the freedom of the will to make choices and make decisions. Mm. And so, in that sense, a world of free creatures who have got potential for good, who can do a lot of good, but they've got a potential for evil as well, is a far better world than a world of creatures without no freedom of the will at all. Mm. If God removed your freedom of the will right now, you would not be human anymore. Mm. You'd be a robot. And so the people who are saying, well, what should God remove all evil? They are asking of God to turn humans into robots. And there be no one to observe the stars, to enjoy creation, or to even be able to do good. So a world of robots will have no good. And by trying to remove evil, everybody's removed even the good that was there. So free will and goodness are the big and good, solid, big enough reason to tolerate small evil mm. or some evil. And so on a scale, Alvin Plantinga, therefore, you know, establishes that a world, it says just because God permits evil, that doesn't mean that there aren't good reasons for it. Mm. It may be very well, it, it, it may very well be less benevolent for God to deny us freedom than to prevent more moral evil. So what I'm saying here is that freedom of the will will have a lot more good than evil. Now, when we decry the evil, I always ask the question, which evil are we decrying? The evil out there or the evil in here? Ah, which yes. one? Because yeah. mm. when people say, oh, why is there so many evil? I'm like, well, what's the evil you did just last couple of minutes or last week or and so on and so forth? And some of the sufferings that we see happening in the world are the consequence of people's moral choices. Yes, exactly. And God is loving enough to give us the ability to make those moral choices and suffer the consequences of them. Yes, there's always a consequence to everything that we do, isn't there? Yeah. All right, well, we're just going to have a, a short break and we'll come back and uh, flesh this out just a little bit more. Because he Because I 
Okay, so before the break, we were looking at the free will defence. Yes. That is um, part of what we're talking about um, in this um, ontological yeah, <laughs> argument. argument <yes. laughs> that, uh, yeah. And, and so within, within that, you know, God has placed the potential within us, yes. obviously, um, to, to do good. And yep. there's always the potential for us to do evil yes. um, because it's part of our free choice, the free yes. choice within us yes. that we can make those decisions. Yeah. And then we have to live, as you said before the break, yeah. Yeah. you have to live with the consequences of the yeah. decisions, decisions you make yeah. Yeah. and then have to probably redefine what you're thinking about as you move forward. Am yeah. I going to make that mistake again mm-hmm. and find that consequence mm-hmm. is going to come mm-hmm. and, and beat me up again? Or am I going to shift yeah. and go in a different direction and try and make better choices? Yes. And think about it. Uh, I was sort of looking at, there's a philosopher, William uh, Alston, uh, who made th- this statement. He says, the effort to demonstrate that evil disprove God is now acknowledged on almost all sides in philosophy is completely bankrupt. Right. Because it doesn't make sense to say, well, you know, why would God let evil happen? And if he didn't, if he took the choices away, there'd be no evil, no good. You just have robots. See, trees <laughs> and even animals don't, there's no evil and good. They, uh, they also, Mr. Lion, you've just committed an act of evil by, uh, by kicking your father out of the pride for him to go and die alone and lonely, no? And being eaten by the hyenas, as <laughs> you were saying the other week. You don't say to your sort of crocodile, Mr. Crocodile, you have committed a moral evil by eating the little, you know, the, the, the baby crocodiles that were born of that other crocodile woman. Mm. You don't say to a tiger, well, you, you know, Mr. Tiger, you've just committed a moral evil by killing, you know, the, 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 the little cubs, of that other woman tiger over there, because tigers are lonely sort of animals. So, you know, the female tiger is to protect their cubs mm. from the male. Yeah. Because all evil is human evil. And it's because humans have got the freedom of the will. And why did God give human freedom of the will? It's so that they will come to relate to him freely. Love cannot exist in uh, so we're talking about God is all good and all, all benevolent. Yeah? Yeah. Love cannot exist unless there is a freedom to love. Mm. I've always said if a young man meets a young lady and, and he, wants, he says he loves her and she said, no, I, just, I like you just as a friend. You, know, you get friend zoned. And, 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 and he said, no, 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 I will make you love me. And he, does he love her? If he loves her, what should he do? Well, let, let her be free. Yeah, exactly. And so God loves us and he lets us be free. It is actually a moral good to create free creatures than to create a, a you know a creatures that are not free at all and then to expect them to love you because that love would not even be free. Well, your robot doesn't love you. Human beings do love you because they choose to. And so in that sense, uh, you're having a world of free creatures is a far better world than a world without free creatures. Well, then I'm thinking that when God created the angels, there must have been that potential there too, because otherwise um, Lucifer would not have fallen. I mean, he made a choice, didn't he? So he had the he had the the choice. He had a choice to make in that. So it's it is something that 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 God already has in His uh, creative ability. Yeah. The 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 want or you know, um, the idea that if you create something, it has to have free will, yeah. so that it can respond. As it needs to. You've actually dug, dug out a very uh, interesting point. Uh, St. Anselm, the same man who propounded the ontological argument, you know, in his free will defense, he wanted to show, because the question was asked, well, if humans are always have got potential for evil, 
wouldn't they be continue to have potential for evil, even if you know at the end of history God re, you know remove all evil and people that you know those who are judged and sent to hell? How about those who are left? They still can go back and do the same evil again, and that's so we'll have this and start the whole cycle again. <laughs> so, what Saint Anselm showed is to show that in the area of in the spiritual realm, there were angels that to whom God gave same freedom of the will. Angels and humans have got the freedom of the will, mm. and a part of angels who were given all the same amount of freedom, but God had reserved another area, another amount of His happiness from. Them so that those who choose him, then he will reward them with the totality of his happiness. Okay. So these angels, one of them was called Satan. Now the adversary decided that he wanted to climb up and become God, and he got a, using his freedom of the will, take all the, a, a huge a third of the angels, some theologian reckons, and and and, and drag them into rebellion. Right, and so. And then the angels who were left, as many as they were, from the time that rebellion happened, they chose God. Mm. Michael, Gabriel, and all the others, there was a war in heaven, the book of Revelation tells us, and then Michael and, and Satan fought, and Satan couldn't overcome, so he was cast out, right? Yeah. And so the angels that chose God, he rewarded them with the fullness of his happiness. You can imagine, instead of bliss where they will need nothing else. And ever since... None of those angels have ever rebelled against him. No, that's right. And so in the same way, the human beings who choose God now freely, because God had to start with, here they are, give them work, give them freedom, so they would choose him. Yes. And once they've chosen God, now they get the reward of his total happiness, so that now there's no need to, they're not lacking in anything. Mm. Can't pursue anything else. But only stay with God. And this is why there's never been any rebellion in heaven since. There will be no rebellion in heaven because those angels have gotten the total happiness of God. And those who are saved, when we get to the end of history, and those who have chosen God, like you and me, and everybody who's listening to us has chosen God, and everyone's like, oh, I want that total happiness. You don't have to pursue the short-term, short happiness of this world. If you choose God, you will have the all-blissful, total happiness of God. And there will be no sin. There'll be no more evil from there. A great thing to look forward to. That's amazing. Yeah, fantastic. And so God made well a world of free creatures and um, and so that we would therefore be able to choose God. Okay. Mm. And so having said that, that's the first step to establish. Now, in creating a world of free creatures, God had to create or set a certain level of uniformity because you cannot be free if your choices are not totally free either. Yes. And for you to make free choices, you must be able to predict the result of your choices. Okay? Mm. So God made a world with uniformity. Gravity still works every morning. When you get up in the morning, you don't think, I wonder what will happen when I put my foot on the floor. <laughs> am I going to fly away or am I going to actually... This is why you can make appointments to do good, you know, appointment to go meet up and give you food or give whatever to people who are less fortunate. In the same way, the person who's evil can make an appointment to go and try and go shoot someone. Yes. The laws of nature uniformly works across the board so that God then will hold the action taker, the person who does what they've done, he'll hold them accountable. If there was no freedom of choice, there will be no justice. No. How can you hold me accountable for something that I didn't freely do? Mm. You know? You're the kind of, uh, you know, my brain made me this, made me do it. Well, if you made me to be evil, then it's your fault. Yeah, think it's about not my it. fault. Yeah, exactly. It's like, <laughs> if somebody puts a gun to your head mm. and say, hand over your wallet. It's going to actually jump in something political. But um, hand over your wallet. And you give your wallet, um, if you're giving your wallet freely. Well, your action is voluntary, but you are not free. No. It's like, hey, take the job or lose your job. Do you think the person is being free? No. Oh, but you you chose. No, they didn't. Mm. You had the gun to their head. Yes. You know, no job, no pay, yeah? Yeah. Kind of thing. Mm. So those kind of actions take the freedom of the person who's making them away. And so in a way, the person, if the persons are not free, people who had been, 
you know, there have been there's been philosophers who started to think that you know free will is is is, is illusory. I'm like, if free will is illusory, illusion, yeah, it's an illusion. An illusion yeah. Then you need to open all the jail cells, get everybody everybody's in there out because they didn't do it. Mm. How can you hold anybody accountable if they were not free? Yeah. So God created a well of uniformity within which choices can be possible. And the consequence of those choices can be predicted. Mm. That's why when you go and grab a glass of wine and start to drink it, you know what would happen. You don't want God to, God to turn that wine into water. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> Even when he turned water into wine, people found that it was wine, and they knew that this kind of wine, when you drink it, this will happen. This was good stuff. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so in that sense, God loving the world of free creatures will have uniformity. Mm. We will know that earthquakes can happen. We will know that trees, when you cut them, they'll fall. You know that if you cut, you cut a tree and you sharpen it and you make it into an arrow, you shoot it, it'll kill someone. So you'll be held responsible for your intents yes. and your actions. And if you point a gun at someone and shoot it, a bullet yeah. will come out if you took and free, do damage. Yeah. Yeah. If you took free will away... Mm. You will take the uniformity away. You will take free choices away. Love will not be possible. There will be no justice. Who wants a world like that? Yes. That world will be filled with non-humans. So in a way, a world of free creatures is a far better good than a world of less free creatures. Well, on that, uh, <laughs> on that particular note, we'll just take a, a little bit of a breather and, uh, and we'll come back and, uh, and wrap this discussion up.
So we're back, Samuel, for the uh, the end of towards the end of our program to uh, to wrap up what we've been talking about yeah. around the free will argument as part of the ontological argument and um, and. You know, we've had a really great discussion about what a world would look like if um, if free will wasn't um, part of the world we're in and, yeah. and part of the gift that God has given us. Mm-hmm. And it is really a gift, isn't it? Yeah. It's something that um, uh, you you would not be able to um, to have that emotional attachment to things either um, if you didn't have the free will to make yeah. the choices that you make. Exactly. And, and there wouldn't be any consequence to what mm. you're doing mm-hmm. if, there, if you didn't really have the free will yeah. to make those decisions. Yeah. So whether or not you choose to do something that is wrong or something that is right, um, you know, there is a consequence for both. Yeah. One of them will be a blessing and the other one will not, mm-hmm. will be a curse mm-hmm. in, in that mm-hmm. sense. Yeah. Uh, and there's a consequence for for. for for both of those things. Yes, exactly. Mm. And so it is to say that if anything, this objection uplifts our God. It yeah. actually shows how great our God is. That it creates a world of free creatures that can make decisions and choices. And within that kind of world, goodness would be abundant. And goodness would be a choice that people make to pursue. And, and, and it will have a potential for evil, yes. But the potential for evil is, is small compared to potential for justice, for love, and for goodness, all these great making properties. And so as I read again the, uh, the, the, um, the, the quote from Alvin Plantinga, uh, who, who, who says, just because God permits evil, that doesn't mean that there aren't any good reason for it. Yeah. We find there's plenty of good reason to have free creatures who are capable of love, capable of beauty, Look, just can you imagine a world within which a young lady meets a young man, they fall in love, it's all free, it was not pre-programmed, it's not some robot, like, you know, you know have you seen when children play with a ro- you know, little robot and move them, it, it's not, if human beings were like that, but those robots have got no free will. Mm. And so, in that sense, they fall in love, they have their kids, they love their children, and they do all that freely. Yeah. And the world of free creatures is a far better world than a world of less free creatures there. So it may be very well, that the, you know, it, it may very well be less benevolent for God to deny us freedom than to prevent more evil. So if God denied us a, a, a freedom, he'd be less benevolent, mm. which would not make him God. So God no. is free. He made us free creatures. And he's fully benevolent. He's fully benevolent, <laughs> yeah. exactly. And, and the small price to pay for moral evil that human beings can cause or can make, you know, becomes small in comparison to the goodness that comes out of it. Mm. And, and the other thing I'd like to say is that most of the people, most of the things people, you know, cry about is suffering and stuff like that. They're part of people's moral choices. You know, I'm from Africa. I've suffered malaria 12 times. And I see people who have walked away from God in the West just because some poor African died of malaria. Mm. But if you ask me, do you really think that malaria is just simply God's responsibility that we have all those, you know, the, 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 the environment within which I, I lived in, in Africa, you know, you know, rubbish being everywhere. There's, you know, the place not kept clean. Here, this place could turn, if we didn't have a, 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 an enforced sense of, you know, being, put stuff in the bin properly so that they can be taken. So, uh, so, so you can be treated properly. So that's how you avoid sicknesses and stuff. Yes. So many of the sickness and disease that people suffer, some are just simply because people made those choices. Mm. Do you know that? This might shock most people, but this is a scientific fact. So, you know, most of the skin cancer, which is one of the biggest killer uh, in, 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 in the West, is a consequence of our exposure to UV ray. Yeah. Go to the beach, lie, just stand. Yeah. Get a tan. Yeah. It's all vanity. We love it. <laughs> and so in a way, there is, of course, there is some consequence attached to that. If I went and start to eat things from that are dirty from the rubbish dump and get sick, did God make me sick? No. So some of the stuff that happened in Africa, it's like, for example, all this, the poverty in Africa is the consequence of very corrupt politicians. Yes. What would you do? What, what, what God to shoot them dead? <laughs> what do you want God to do? People are free, and He will judge them for their actions. So, 
even the suffering that sometimes we, if you cut all human responsibility, and, and, and if, I always say, if humans, people, they cry, okay, why doesn't God stop evil? What, what should he do? If God warned you about building, a, 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 if, let's say, if, if we stayed connected to God, let me give you an example. If, if a man came up and said, well, you know, I see, I foresee that within the next hundred years, there's going to be a big, big, big earthquake in this particular place. Don't build a city there. Because God told me so. Mm. Could you imagine what kind of laughter they will attract? What if, you know, I said, okay, in the next 50 years, there'll be a big, massive quake in Melbourne and million, a million people will die. Move the city from there to another place. Do you think people do it? No. People disconnect themselves from the source of all knowledge, the source of all wisdom. Mm. They want to be God, want to do their own thing, and then they want God to stop whatever suffering comes with the consequence of their choices. Mm. When, when, when God says, well, don't engage in the sexual activities before you're married. Oh, well, what kind of God is that? It's a killjoy. Okay. Well, when you get in there and then things go past shape and you hurt, you go, well, why didn't God stop? Why did stop what? So what I'm trying to say is, moral evil that people commit by going to, take, to break God's moral commands will be judged by God. But can you check for yourself to go, well, I am responsible for my choices. Mm. People don't want to look at that. No. If you say, look, this consequence you're having was the consequence of the choice you made there over there. People might cut you off. They don't want that. So we, we have a greater God who loves us so much that it gives us the freedom. And the thing with, with that at the moment, too, is that, that people, people blame the consequences on the, of their choices on someone else. Yes. So it, using that example of, of um, you know, interacting sexually outside of marriage yeah. and someone gets pregnant. So what happens? Here you have an innocent child that didn't ask to be, yeah, yeah. To be conceived. Um, conceived. Yeah. Um, and so abortion just disposes of it. Yeah, yeah. You just become a piece of rubbish. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know that is evil. <laughs> that oh, is yeah, evil. Yeah, exactly. That is evil. And, and, and you know, things like that. When we when we engage in things like that, and 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 a male and a female, you know, again, they they're in a relationship, and it, it breaks down, and there's the hurt and the pain that goes with yes. that. And then she becomes very anti-male, and he becomes very anti-woman because yes. you know, they've had all this stuff yep. going on because they didn't have that level of commitment commitment that you yeah. would have had. Um, it was just sex. Oh, we were just having fun. Yes. But we weren't, didn't have that level of commitment yeah. that would build each other up and that would have a beautiful relationship yeah. that yeah. would conceive a child yeah. and bring a child into the world and yeah. make a difference. And do it the God's way. And do it God's way and make a difference. No, be, no, we don't want happy. God. But then when we suffer the consequence of our action, we'd rather say there's no God. Yeah, exactly. Well, I've got a question. There's always already suffering. Mm. If you remove God, if you say there's no God, what changes? Yeah, that's true. That's true. You've actually removed the only source of your hope. Yes. Yeah. When you say there's no God, it doesn't change the fact that another human being is going to go shoot another one, or there's going to be wars, or sicknesses will continue. You've just removed your only source of hope. Yes. Instead of seeking and running to God for hope, you basically decided, I'd rather not have God, I want to do my own thing, but the pain and the suffering will come. And I haven't changed nothing. No, that's right. And I mean, at least if you've got God to cling on to and to, to go to, yeah. then you've got a guiding light in your life that exactly. can change things. Yeah. Otherwise, nothing can change. Yeah. And you're in this total place of unhappiness yeah. and total place of evil um, where you could be in this this total place of acceptance yeah. with God and knowing who you are in him yeah. and, and, and having a life yeah. that has purpose and has meaning exactly. and knowing where you're going when you leave this earth. Exactly. And the other thing is... Is that when we decry that, oh, why, why, you know, why did God let this evil happen? You know, you're thinking, think about it for a moment. It's because we assume materialism already. We assume this life is the only life there is. So, if this is the only life I have, if my loved one dies, then I'm bitter. Yes. But if you knew that if they were with God, and when they died, they went in a place of blissful joy that is far greater than the suffering here, you would be happy and looking forward to going there. Yeah. So even the, the very problem of evil assumes naturalism. Mm. Because you're clinging unto this life. That's why you are bitter about it. Yeah. And this is why when, you know, when those who are in Christ die, those who are left who are in Christ, they're like, where? Well, we rejoice. We celebrate. We'll see them at the day of the resurrection. Yeah. 
We're only so, going to be separated for a short time. Exactly. Yep. So the problem of evil has been absolutely knocked out of the ballpark mm. and cannot disprove God. So the ontological argument still stands. My advice is seek God, know Him. He's given you freedom. Relate with Him. You will be better off. You will be better off. That's exactly right. Well, thank you, Samuel, again for uh, for all those words. And uh, we're going to continue this discussion next week. So uh, tune in and make sure that uh, you're with us next week. But thank you very much for coming in again today.